ឆ្លាប់ក្រុមទូនៃព្រះវិហារអាយសេអ៊ីអ៊ីអ៊ីអ៊ីអ៊ីអ៊ីអ៊ីអ៊ីអ៊ីអ៊ីអ៊ីអ
but they're also there to help you become the best learner, the best student you can be. Bosses can be coaches. Yeah, like their job is obviously to make the business successful. But if they're a good coach, they want you to be the best you can be at your job. And of course, there's other people in your life that can be coaches. Friends, family. So, where does coaching happen? What does that usually look like? Coaching almost always starts in a classroom. Okay, so what's a classroom include? So, you always have a chair that you can sit on. You have a nice desk to work with. And every classroom for coaching has a book. It's a sports coach, then the book is a playbook. It shows you all the best plays and strategies you can use when you're playing the game. If you're in class, of course, it's a textbook. For the subject of that class. And if it's at work, it's a work manual. It tells you all the things your company expects for you to do when you work for them. And then every good coaching classroom also has a display. It can be a display like this or it can be a chalkboard. And this is where the coach takes what's in the book. And uses their own experience and wisdom. To best apply what's in this book personally to your life. You'll understand. So remember that classroom. We're going to come back to that at the end of the message. So what exactly do coaches do? The best coaches recognize hidden potential. They see things in you that you don't even know you have. Or other people can see. They're gifted to see what your future potential is. They also see what your blind spots are. The mistakes you're making. The flaws in your talent that you don't understand. And then a coach will challenge, correct, and rebuke you. If you're not playing as well as you should be, you're being lazy, you're coming late to, to practice. You're not paying attention in class. 
if they're a good coach, they're going to challenge you to pay attention. This is important. Ultimately, the best coaches in the world help you reach your fullest potential. What's your fullest potential? Do you even know? Who do you go to for coaching and advice? I want you to think, every one of us, for a minute, just quickly for a minute, who has been the best coach in your life so far? Who has seen in you what is special and helped you to grow? Coaching is important all the time. We should always have good coaches in our life. But it's especially important in times of crisis. When we're having problems in our life. So, so who do you go to when you're having problems in your life? We're going to talk quickly about a famous man in the Bible. Who came to a big crisis in his life. And this man's name is John the Baptist. And he was a very, very important man in history. There were many prophecies about his life before he, came, he was born into the world. Prophecies are when God communicates to someone about future events. For example, there were many, many prophecies about Jesus' life. For thousands of years before he came into the world. God was telling people about Jesus thousands of years before he actually came. And with John the Baptist, there had been prophecies for 700 years. So here's what that prophecy looked like. Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will, will prepare the way before me. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. So the messenger that they're talking about and the voice of someone shouting that they were talking about from 700 years before was about John the Baptist. So his life was set even before he was born. In fact, an angel came down from heaven and visited his father before he was born. 
And the angel said, you are going to have a son and he's going to make, he's going to prepare the way for Jesus to come into the world. And John grew up knowing how important his life was. It's like, he's like the second most important person to Jesus in the story. So that's a big idea to live up to. So when he becomes an adult, he starts to work in his ministry. And he's very, very successful. He's accomplishing many, many, many great things. He's a very important man. So Jesus then comes and starts doing his work. And maybe John the Baptist thinking, hey, me and Jesus can be best friends. I can be his sidekick. I can be his helper. Instead, he's captured by the, the uh, local people and thrown in prison. And prisons are never a nice place, even today. But back then, they were especially terrible. They were dark, they were smelly. Disgusting. They were barely more than a dirty hole in the ground. And here's John, this Christian superstar. He's wondering, what's happening? What's happening in my life? There were prophecies about me. I'm the second most famous guy to Jesus. And now I'm in prison. What's that all about, God? Why that And so he's in prison and he's hearing about all the amazing things Jesus is doing. Jesus came into the world to save people. And he's doing miracles. He's healing people. He's saving people from sin and evil. Hundreds of people. He's setting them free. John, his, this Christian superstar, he's in prison. So he sends his helpers to Jesus to ask them what's wrong. It says in the book, he sent them to the Lord to ask him, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? All of us have had or will have crises like these in our life. Things are going to be going great in your life. You have good friends, good relationships. School's going very good. 
You passed the exams. Yeah, that's a good one. You're getting a good job. And then all of a sudden, you're going to find yourself in a deep, stinky hole. Everybody else around you is doing very well. And you're going to be wondering, what's happening to me? What's, why, why did this happen to me? And here's the most important thing I want you to understand today. When John the Baptist was having this terrible crisis in his life, he didn't go to anybody else for coaching. He didn't go to his friends or his family. He didn't go to other spiritual leaders. He went directly to Jesus. He knew that Jesus was his best possible coach. So the lesson from John's story today is this. When we are having problems in our life, we should always turn first to Jesus. The question for you is, where do you go first when you have problems? Who do you trust to give you coaching, give you answers when you're in that hole? I'm here to tell you this morning that there's only one person that you can trust your entire life to. And that's Jesus. Now I want to show you a cool little illustration. And we'll see how good I can do this with one arm. Okay, and how good my assistant's going to do. <laughs> okay, so here I have two objects. Boom, can you see that? I've got two objects. A balloon and a soccer ball. Both of them are filled with air. And I want to imagine that inside of each one of these is your spirit. Actually, some of the words in the Bible talk about God as like air, the spirit as air. The Bible talks about how our breath the air in us is a symbol for our spirit. So both of these objects have air spirit inside of them. Now I'm going to throw both of these across the room and we're going to see which one gets farther in his life. Which one, of you, which one of these do you think is going to go the farthest in life? The soccer ball or the balloon? Ah, the ball. Okay, well, we'll see if you're smart as you think you are. All right, let's do the ball first. If I can, if I can do this, here we go. All right, here's the ball. Ah. All right, so the ball got very far in life, didn't it? 
Now let's see how far the balloon goes in life. What happened? So which, here's a question for you, which one of these do you want to be in life? Obviously you want to be this one, you want to get as far as possible. Why did this go farther than the balloon? Does anybody know? Why did it go farther? Because it's heavier. The ball went farther because it's heavier. And this is what Jesus wants to do for us. Jesus wants to make us spiritually more substantial. Jesus wants to make us heavier so we can get further in life. And this is what the best coaches do. They help you to use your potential to get as far as you possibly can go. Jesus wants to give us more weight and make us stronger so we can go further. Now how do we measure spiritual weight how can you how can we look around the room and decide who's spiritually heavier can we even do that how does the world that we live in measure spiritual weight how important you are, how strong you are. What makes people successful in the world? Intelligence, talent, diplomas, money. God has a different measure for your spiritual weight than the world does. How can I best illustrate this? Easily. The story of David and Goliath. So, these two armies come together. The army of God, the Israelites. And this big, ugly, evil army, the Philistines. And the Philistines send out their champion to challenge the Israeli uh, army. He's their champion. And he's, and he's huge. He's the tallest man anybody had ever seen, this giant. Huge muscles like me. So he was three meters tall. And he's, he's challenging, he's like basically saying, you're all scum. You can't possibly defeat us. Your Christian God is weak and foolish. I spit on him. I spit on you. We will defeat you. We will crush you. Send out your greatest champion to fight me. And if, he, and if he defeats me, our entire army will walk away. You win. 
And everybody in the Israeli army is afraid. But this shepherd boy, David, who's not even a warrior, was visiting his brothers and he heard Goliath challenging God's army. And he was so angry that nobody had the courage to fight, he decided to volunteer. Now if you are measuring things with the eyes of the world, who's going to win that fight? It's pretty stinking obvious. Everybody is going to put their money on Goliath. There's no way this little tiny shepherd boy is going to win. So King Saul, the king of God's army, the Israelites, calls uh, David to his tent to coach him. And he doesn't believe David's going to win either. He thinks he's going to get killed instantly. But at least he's going to honor his courage. Now King Saul was a large man also. In fact, he was one of the biggest guys in the God's army. And as the king of God's people, he was the representative of our God in that place. And in reality, he should have been the one that went out and fought. He was the biggest and best champion. But in our upside-down evil world, the king would never risk his life fighting a fight. So he coaches David, he gives David his big armor and his big sword. And he tries to tell him how he, he should try and fight this fight. And David knows this is ridiculous. The armor and the sword are way too big for him. And he doesn't even know how to fight. He's never been in a fight in his life before. And he also knows, more importantly, that he's not going to use the worldly weight, but he's going to use God's weight. All those years he spent alone as a shepherd boy out in the countryside, he spent in communion with God. And he had faith like no one else in God's army that God would give them victory. Because God measures weight differently than the world does. In the Hebrew language that they spoke, words can mean more than one thing. And the word in the Hebrew language for the presence of God 
ពីសារហេប្រូមួយនេះកបតប៉ុន្តែក្នុងភាសារបស់ហេប្រូមួយនេះកបតbut it's interesting that kabat also means to give something weight. Kabat also means being in the presence of God gives you spiritual weight. So understand this. It's not about how big your armor is and your sword is. It's not about how smart you are or how much money you have. It's about how much time you spend in the presence of God. That will make you spiritually heavier and take you further in life. So let's go back to our coaching classroom. And I want you to think of this classroom as a symbol for the time that you spend with God. Think of this classroom as Kabat, the presence of God. Of Kabat, the thing that's going to give you spiritual weight. So the chair symbolizes a comfortable place. Find a comfortable place to talk to God. Some place nice, some place you enjoy. And the desk symbolizes some place that's good to study at, to good to spend the time with. It's a place where there's no distractions. Okay. And then the book, of course, means the Bible. This is your playbook. This is your manual. This is your textbook for life. Everything you need to know about Jesus and being successful in life is in that book. If you don't have one, please let us know. We'll get you one. And last but not least is the display. Like I said earlier, this is how the coach applies their personal wisdom and experience from the book personally to your life. And when you're following Jesus, the Spirit will help you to apply what's in that book personally to your life. And 
Jesus wants to be your best coach. He wants to give you spiritual weights. He wants you to see you get as far as you possibly can in your life. So let us remember this together today. When we are having problems in our life, we should always turn first to Jesus. He will be the best coach for our life. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been inspired and challenged. To find out more about ICF, visit our website. Or find us on SoundCloud or Facebook. We don't want to end without giving you the opportunity to ask Jesus into your life. This will be the greatest decision you will ever make. You can say these words after me. Jesus, I want to know you. Forgive me all my sins. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Thank you that you love me no matter what. I want to follow you. God bless you.